0: Welcome to My Beautiful Stories, our conversations about finding the magic in the mundane. Hello everyone. Hello. Thank you to everyone who has sent us a story for series three of My Beautiful Stories. We had an amazing response and today we are reading you the first story sent by Kathy. When the escalating cases of the coronavirus mandated a stay-at-home order, I'd been in my fifth month of caring for my best friend. A routine blood test had shown abnormalities in her blood. A bone marrow biopsy confirmed that she had multiple myeloma. No warning signs had prepared us for the sudden and drastic changes that would rapidly ensue. The treatments quickly caused a debilitating and painful neuropathy. The ordinary tasks that one takes for granted soon became insurmountable challenges. For five or six days a week, I became her caretaker and on her better days, I took her to the theatre, to a favourite restaurant, to a charming boutique or to any other place that would momentarily distract her from the pain in her feet, legs and hands. But then came the pandemic and we were right at the epicentre. Added to the concern over my friend's cancer and neuropathy, I now had to exercise every measure of caution to keep her from contracting the virus. Overnight, her world shrunk to the spaces in her home and to the trips to the doctor's office, where she would receive her treatments. Whereas before I would sit beside her during the nearly three hours to help her pass the time, I was now no longer allowed to pass through the office doors. Our other hours and days together were spent in the confines of the small rooms of her house. We had no outside distractions. The world's closed in, and a heaviness, weighted with heightened concerns, rode on our shoulders. The world became an unfamiliar place. Managing an illness without the opportunity to engage in other enjoyments created a new and different kind of pain. I also care for my mother, my beloved 87-year-old mother who has onset dementia. I have been the one to whom she has turned because we have always been extraordinarily close. Aside from the times that she opened her door to family, attending church on Sunday was a cherished highlight of her week. She had been actively involved in her church community for most of her life, Going on mission trips all over the world to set up schools, she worked weekly at a food and clothing bank. An avid walker, she routinely walked three miles around a nearby park. And then came the pandemic and the closing of the churches and the closing of the parks. We were ordered not to visit our elderly relatives. Those over 80 were at the greatest risk. For the first four weeks, I didn't dare to enter my mother's house, instead leaving items at her doorstep and waving from a distance. But this became unmanageable as her ability to prepare her meals or to organise her life eluded her. Loneliness framed her days. I began to stop over to spend a few hours with my mother after spending the day caring for my best friend. I avoided all public places, hoping that I would not be compromising the health Of two people whom I loved profoundly. My own world shrunk significantly. While all across the globe individuals were struggling with boredom and isolation, I was busy 12 hours a day. Some people thrive with busyness. I do not. I require inordinate amounts of solitude. But those needed hours were gone. My books sat on the table unread. My journals remained closed. My running shoes stayed in the closet. Peaceful moments previously used for prayer or meditation became squeezed into the car rides as I travelled between three homes, mine, my friends and my mother's. Weekends were spent catching up with the domestic dalleries and sleep. The situations, for me and those I love, have been dire. But that is not the sum of my life, my loved ones. Oh my world. The relationships we have built over time have banked so many memories and so many blessings that we have those in abundance. Laughter often interrupts our conversations. We stay in touch, sharing anecdotes and finding humour in unexpected places. When the news make us lynch, we reach out to support each other. When we need to forget, we go for long walks, Nature leaves its invitations wide open. There is beauty. There is love. There is humour. There is faith. There is gratitude. And always there is hope. These we bring with us to this new way of living. I write this from a small island off the coast of Massachusetts, from inside my best friend's summer home. Although our country has advised us not to travel, this island has deep roots in our hearts. Fearing that she may not live to return to her summer home again, with trepidation we braved the trip. My daughter came along. I have been awash with gratitude, taking my friend to see the shores she loves so dearly. In the evenings, we sit and have takeout from our favourite restaurants. Happiness abounds. The place is eerily quiet, but it feels safe. We daily remark on our joy to be back here. Seeing my friend so happy has been worth the risk, and she adamantly agrees. Next week, my entire family will gather here. It will be the first time since the pandemic that we will all be together again. We will survive this. And while we do, we will hug. We will cry. We will laugh. We will bask in all this gorgeous island has to offer in its beaches, its farms, its forests and its trails. We will make new memories. And when our stay is over, we will return to our separate homes and we will face this new world ready to soldier on. We will see my mother through the struggles that await her. We will take her back to the parks that she loves. We can't control our world, but we can control parts of it. Instead of focusing on what we have lost, we will focus on what we haven't. And for that, we will give profound thanks. Always for that.
1: Thank you very much for this story. It was really beautiful.
0: I also thought it was beautiful. And what moved me the most is the amount of light that it actually radiates. On the surface, it's um, a story of loss, of suffering and end-of-life care. Yet it's narrated in such a deeply meaningful way.
1: I must say also sympathize specifically with not having enough time for yourself because in both during the in both situations, during the lockdown and when I was caring for my parents, that's what I one of the things that I missed the most, just having that time just by myself.
0: And because of this lack of time, it's so difficult to reflect in situations like that. All you can think of really is rather the trying and dreary mundane, the overwhelming tiredness which surrounds those tasks. It's just so hard to look beyond in moments like these. I remember we were suffering intensely from lack of sleep. We were constantly tired. So naturally, our world shrunk to the essential, to the basic needs.
1: But what we both really liked about this story is that Kathy, while still being in the middle of those trying events, is already reflecting upon them and is able to find the distance and talk about it uh, in a very reflective way. I think we were both very impressed.
0: And it's all in the way she narrates this story. She puts it all into perspective. She has the resilience, the foresight to already reflect upon it. And in doing that, she continues to remind herself of those things that essentially make her herself—the things and actions which bring her and her friend and her family joy and preserve her humanity and her sense of beauty in this hard situation. When listening to narrative stories, this is something that is not often found.
1: Yeah, this is looking at it with a professional sociologist eye. Maybe we go into too much detail of <laughs> what the st- structure of the story.
0: I just found it so fascinating that it was um, obviously I was really moved at the beginning, but I also thought it's just beautiful in all the other levels that it offers. Because just to continue a bit with the um, narrative research into this, the way Kathy narrates this story, she already rehearses a um, future for herself, future sense of well-being. And by keeping this optimistic perspective, she already reaches a step closer into that future. And this is deeply soothing to listen to. And I won't dwell on this any longer. But I need to mention that this story, which incidentally was the very first one to be sent to us, immediately struck me as one of those beautiful life stories, as we call them in sociology. It's more than a story. It's the quintessence of a life and of what makes us so beautifully human. We'd like to recommend a film called The Farewell,
1: it's a film about a Chinese family, where a lot of family members have emigrated to Japan and America. And they're all coming back because the matriarch of the family is terminally ill, but they don't really want to tell her about it. It's about a lot of things, but uh, one of the things which we thought was very similar to this story is that It's about reflecting upon what you do and upon your life during those very difficult moments because that's what what we found is it's often tricky and requires a lot of reflection and self-discipline.
0: It's a really beautiful film. It's tragic but comic at the same time and it suits all family. We watched it with my parents and we all enjoyed it. Plus it asks very difficult questions so I'm sure you would enjoy watching it. Thank you for listening and thank you again, Cathy. I will link her and the recommendation and everything in the show notes. Thank you again, Cathy, for giving us this beautiful story.
1: Yes, thank you, Cathy, for the story. Thank you to our listeners and until next time. Until next time.
0: If you would still like to send us a story, please visit our website, stories.com, and we would be very happy to read your story. This is it from us. If you like the podcast, please rate, review or subscribe. Get involved in the conversation each week on my Instagram account at stories.